morning. Uh, good morning and, and welcome again to our uh, First Baptist Outdoor Worship Service. And uh, our welcome and call uh, to worship is going to come from 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 uh, will begin reading in verse 8. Um, when, it, when it comes to just over the next couple weeks what we're planning on doing, well, uh, I'm sure many of you have heard of the different guidelines and, and, and whatnot from our, our state government and how uh, indoor worship services and stuff are going to be, uh, I guess, looked down upon uh, or even stronger than that. We're going to plan on meeting out here uh, for the next couple weeks, and I uh, hope you feel comfortable with, with that. And uh, if somebody could just turn on the air conditioning, that would be nice out here, right? Uh, but uh, we'll keep meeting at 9 a.m. for the next few weeks we'll just we'll have a that phone call and email go out every Thursday just to remind you so we'll be out here for at least the next three weeks uh, meeting here at 9 a.m. so uh, if you have any questions or concerns you know make sure you let me know uh, and let me hear about them uh, but that's what we'll plan on doing for the next couple weeks uh, also still waiting on uh, last week I mentioned how we might be uh, giving some cookies to the local law enforcement and uh, first responders up here uh, so each church is going to take a turn each week. So far, I don't think we've set a schedule for that, but uh, more information will come. Uh, also, another outreach thing that we're looking into is um, the, the sheriff's office has a bunch of hand sanitizers and uh, big gallons of it. So we might look at pouring them into smaller bottles with our church's name on them and then passing them out and, and making them available to the community. So again, more information hopefully will come with that and how we can... Uh, reach out and be a blessing to our community in these, this uh, unique time. So with, with that in mind, uh, let's call our, our attention to God's Word, turn our attention to God's Word. First Peter chapter 3, we'll begin reading in verse 8. God's Word says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless to, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt, from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected 
to him. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now, and Lord, we thank you again for this day. We thank you for the blessing that we can have to meet outside and to worship you here. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for, for blessing us with the ability to do that. And uh, so, Lord, we ask that you would be honored and that you would be glorified in the singing of your praises and also in the receiving of your word. So, Father, we again thank you for the fact that Christ suffered and died for us. And so, Lord, in light of his suffering, may we live honoring and righteous lives for your sake. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you're able to, would you please stand and, and join us in singing? All right, we're going to sing uh, All Creatures of Our God and King. So pull out your copy. of our God and King. 
Amen. You may be seated. Well, if you turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter 2 is where we will uh, begin reading. Philippians chapter 2, so if you want to turn there with me in your Bibles, get Justin. So Philippians chapter 2. begin reading in verse 5. I know we just asked you to sit. <laughs> I guess we should just ask you to stay standing after that, that last song. But if you are able to, uh, please stand in order to honor the reading of the words of our God. Philippians chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Let's pray. Holy Father, we come before you now. And Lord, we ask that you would please bless the preaching of your word and bless the, the receiving of your word. May it take root in our lives and cause us to live united and humble lives because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Because he humbled himself, even to the point of death on the cross, where he gave himself in our place for the redemption of our sins and for your glory and your honor. Lord God, I ask that you would be glorified through the preaching of your word, so that every heart might confess that Christ is Lord. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you like Jesus? You know, if we were to uh, walk into town with our masks on and stay six feet apart from everybody, if we were to walk into town and talk to the average person in Oakhurst, I think most of them would likely say that they like Jesus. Even those with very little knowledge of his actual teachings in the Bible, they would likely say that they like Jesus. Friend, do you like Jesus? Well, here's the thing. This text that we're looking at this morning in Philippians chapter 2, we can't just like Jesus. You can't simply like Jesus. Jesus is not that type of figure. He's not someone you simply just like. You either love Him and worship Him as your Lord and Savior, or you reject Him. In fact, if you simply just like Jesus then you actually hate him. This text shows us that you have to decide whether he is your Lord and Savior or if you will reject him. 
Jesus can't simply be just a casual acquaintance. So what about you? What about for you? Do you love Jesus or will you reject him? Our text shows us you can't be neutral towards Jesus. You can't hang on the fence when it comes to who Christ is and what he has done. Remember, friends, where we've been in Philippians. We've seen the themes of courage and joy in Christ that, that led Paul faithfully to preach the gospel even while he's in chains. And God has blessed that courageous preaching, that courageous joy for Christ. And we saw that in light of that fellowship and that joy that Paul had from faith in Jesus, Paul had called the Philippians in chapter 1, verse 27. He said, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Remember, that's what we looked at the last couple weeks, is how are the Philippians and us today to live lives worthy of the gospel of Christ? Remember how we answered that with two words, unity and humility. And we see that in chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, where Paul says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So the way in which we live lives worthy of the gospel is that we live lives united together as a church in lives of humility. And so what, or we might ask, who is the foundation for the church's unity and humility? Well, it's the Lord Jesus Christ, as we see in verses 5 through 11, as we just read. You know, unity and humility in the church, they don't come about simply by preaching and teaching on unity and humility. No, they, they come about through adoring and treasuring the Lord Jesus Christ, as we see in these verses of chapter 2. And, and since we haven't been printing out bulletins, uh, if you're taking notes, this is going to be the breakdown of the passage that we have in front of us. So we're going to look at verse 5, and it's going to be the mind of Christ, colon, reflecting Christ's humility. So the mind of Christ, then reflecting Christ's humility. That's verse 5. Verses 6 through 8 is going to be the humility of Christ, colon, Christ lowered himself. So the humility of Christ, Christ lowered himself. And then verses 9 through 11 the exaltation of Christ, colon, God raised him high. So verses 9 through 11, the exaltation of Christ, God raised him high. So with that in mind, let's take a look at verse 5, that first section, the mind of Christ, reflecting Christ's humility. Look with me at verse 5. Paul writes, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Some of your translations uh, might have the second phrase as, which was also in Christ Jesus. Well, what is this mind? Well, it's humility. Right? We saw in the prior verses, and, and we'll see explained in the following verses, it's humility. Paul is calling the church to one mind united by love and humility and looking to the interests of others and he is going to now uh, look at the mind of Christ outside of a 
commitment to the truth of the gospel, love and humility should be defining characteristics of the church's relationships together. We are to be a reflection of Christ's humility that we see here in Philippians chapter 2. The way we interact with each other are meant to be a reflection of the humility of Christ. And also with our relationships outside of the church as well. We are to reflect humility. You know, last week I asked a question. Would the unbelieving world consider humility and unity defining characteristics of the church? And I don't know how we could answer that question. I don't know how many would answer that question. But may we seek, as a church here at First Baptist, may we seek to reflect this mind of Christ that we see Paul explaining here in chapter 2. And then in verses 6 and following, Paul is going to now, through the divine work of the inspired and sacred scriptures, he's going to give us a, a glimpse into the inner workings of Christ's mind. You know, often we want to know what's on people's minds, right? We want to know, hey, what are you thinking in this time? What are you thinking about this? What are you thinking about that? Uh, when, when I coach baseball at, at Yosemite High School and I go out for a mound visit, one of our pitchers is struggling. I'm likely never going to talk about anything physical as far as his mechanics or whatnot. I want to know what's, what he's thinking. And, and, and so, so what is on the mind of Christ here, though? Isn't it incredible? We are given a glimpse into the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ here in Philippians chapter 2. So what is the mind of Christ? Well, we're going to see in verses 6 through 8, the humility of Christ. Christ lowered himself. So we're given a glimpse into the mind of Christ where he lowered and he humbled himself. Look with me at verse 6. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So in these verses, we begin to see what's on the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ in eternity past, and we're also given a glimpse of who Jesus is. And we can't be neutral in our thoughts towards him. We're going to see this movement in the following verses, uh, this movement in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We're going to see his incarnation. In other words, when Jesus, when God became man, we'll see his atonement, his death on behalf of sinners. Then we'll see his, his exaltation where he began, he humbled himself. And then through the resurrection and his ascension, God highly exalted him. And so these three important aspects of of who Jesus is, so his incarnation, his atonement, and his, his uh, exaltation is, are giving us a glimpse into who Jesus is. In other words, we're going to see the study of Christ, of what uh, theologians call Christology, the, the study and the doctrine and understanding of who Jesus is and, and what he has done, his person and work. So we see in verse 6, who though he was in the form of, of God. This is giving us a glimpse of Jesus's pre-existence, meaning Jesus was never created. He has always existed. Jesus was involved in creation. He wasn't created. Christianity here differs from many cults and religions on this fundamental 
point that Jesus existed in eternal in eternity past. He is the eternal Son of God who was with the Father and the Holy Spirit who is co-eternal. And this word form carries with it the idea of his true and exact nature. Meaning that Jesus was divine. And this form is this word form is strengthened all the more when we see that Paul says, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So we see form of God, equality with God. It shows us that Jesus was eternal, that Jesus is divine, that He is God, God the Son. Now, much ink throughout church history has been used in this debate over the nature of who Jesus is. Was He fully God? Was He fully man? Was he just a little bit of man? Was he just a little bit of God? Or was he a little bit of this or a little bit of that? Was he man but not God? Or was he God but not man? And a number of heresies in the early church arose over these debates. But in 451 in, in Chalcedon, the church leaders at that time assembled and they wrote a statement affirming both Jesus' full humanity and full divinity united in one person. You might be thinking, okay, well, that was over close to 1,600 years ago. What does that have to do with me today? Everything. Friends, think about this. If Jesus was not fully God, then he could not fully save. If he was not fully man, he could not fully redeem. He could not serve as a sacrifice for our sins. Uh, a church leader, an early church leader, Gregory of Nazianzus said it this way, that which he did not assume, he cannot save. Meaning, in other words, if Jesus was not fully man or fully God, then he cannot fully save us from our sins. And friends, every generation must hold to and must defend the biblical view of Christ because constant heresies and false teachings are constantly arising regarding the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether it's Mormonism or Jehovah's Witnesses religions or the prosperity gospel or the claims that Jesus was simply just a prophet or maybe he was a good man, a good teacher, or maybe he was only an example. Friends, we ourselves must know the Lord Jesus Christ and defend the glory of Christ and the truths we confess about Jesus coming from the Bible's teachings about who Jesus is and what he has done to save us from our sins. Parents, grandparents, may you know the Lord Jesus Christ for yourself. May you seek to teach your children and seek to teach your grandchildren these glorious truths about Jesus. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Hebrews 1 verse 3 puts it similarly. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Notice the writer of Hebrews didn't say Jesus was simply a reflection. No, he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of God's nature. And yet even though Jesus was God, we see again, picking up in verse 6, that he didn't use his status, he didn't use this for his own selfish ways or for his own advantage. No, he uses that advantage for you, for your salvation. 
Look with me at verse 6. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus, though he was God, became man, taking the form of a servant. Friends, he was a servant. He came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And we have that phrase there in, in verse 7. He emptied himself, or, or some translations might say, uh, made himself nothing. Again, there is much debate over what this phrase means. This phrase has been debated over uh, a theory called the kenosis theory. As in, did Jesus actually empty himself of everything? Does this then mean that, that Jesus laid aside his divinity while on earth? Did he cease to be God while on earth? No. Paul is not saying that Jesus gave up his divinity when he became a man. That doesn't fit with Paul's writings or with the rest of the New Testament. This translation here of made himself nothing can mean he gave up his status. He gave up his privilege. In other words, what did he do? He left the right hand of the Father to come to earth. It's not that he gave up being God himself. No, he left the glories of heaven to come to this earth. Brian Chapel tells the story of, a, of an African missionary who was visiting a village. And in that village, there is a, the chief was the strongest man in the village. And he wears a special headdress and special robes. And, and one day, a, a man in that village fell into a well, and he broke his leg. And the man was stuck. He, he couldn't get out. So the people of the village summoned the chief. And the chief, when he saw that man, took off his robe, and he took off his headdress, and he climbed to the bottom, and he put this man on his back, and he brought him up to safety. He did what no other man in that village was able to do. Now that chief, did he cease to be the chief when he took off his headdress and his robes? No. Similarly, in a similar way, Christ has done that for us. Jesus didn't cease to be God when he became man. No, he came to rescue sinners, to do what, what no one else could do. He laid aside his heavenly glory, just like the chief laid aside his headdress and his robes, in order to save his people from their sins. Similarly, Christ has done that for us. Paul goes on, verse 8, being found in human form. This continues to explain to us the incarnation, the doctrine of Jesus Christ, of God becoming man. Then Paul moves on. He humbled himself. Verse 8. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So now we're moving from the incarnation to atonement, to Christ's saving work on behalf of sinners. Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe, he humbled himself to become man. He would die as a peasant in a foreign occupied territory. And why did he do this? He did this for you and for me. To save his people from their sins. And the punishment of their sins in hell. Friends, because of our sins against God, we are destined for hell. For eternal punishment, for sin. But because of Jesus' humility, 
his awful death on the cross in our place, he got what we deserved, death, so that we get what we don't deserve, salvation from sin and eternal life. Friends, consider the humility of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was God, fully God. Yet he humbled himself repeatedly from God to man, from man to slave, from obedient slave to death. Not just death, but execution on the cross. Christ humbled himself for you. And remember, the church of Philippi, there's division in the church. Yodia and Syntyche, Paul is going to call them to agree in the Lord later in this letter. And remember, he's laying the foundation for their humble agreement. Based on what? Based on the humility of Jesus Christ. Based on the gospel. Friends, Christ's humility for us calls us to humility ourselves. Even the lowest possible position. Even the lowest position possible, crucifixion, was not too low for Jesus to go. So we see the humility of Christ here. He lowered himself. And now his humility is going to lead to his exaltation. Jesus humbled himself, but God raised him high. So verses 9 through 11, the exaltation of Christ, God raised him high. Hi, look with me at verse 9. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, therefore, God has highly exalted him Jesus humbled himself down, down, down. But then after three days in that dark tomb, up from the grave, he arose. The grave could never restrain him. His exaltation at the right hand of God began when he walked forth out of that grave on that first Easter morning. And God has highly exalted, or, or we say, he super exalted him. Jesus received the highest exaltation. And friends, how did God exalt him? We see here by bestowing on him the name that is above every name. Well, what name is this? Likely, we see from verse 11, it is the name Lord or Yahweh. God's divine name, Yahweh. The Jews thought that God's name, Yahweh, was so holy that they would not say it. So they would have all sorts of substitutes for not saying Yahweh when they were reading the scriptures. They had substitutes such as the name or Lord or the separate name. So every Jew who would hear this, the name above every name, would recognize that it is an allusion to Yahweh, God's divine name. And actually in, in Isaiah 45 verse 23, Yahweh himself says, To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. So all in Isaiah 45 will bow to Yahweh. Now here in verse 11 of Philippians chapter 2, we see that all will bow to Jesus. Showing us once again that Jesus is God. That Jesus is divine. 
And it says, every knee will bow to him. Friend, you will either bend your knee to him in humble submission and praise now as your Lord and Savior, or you will bend the knee in submission in hell for eternity as an acknowledgement that Jesus is Lord and that you rejected the only one who can save you from your sins. So how will you bow your knee to Jesus today? Notice Paul ends, he says, to the glory of God the Father. To the glory of God the Father. All of this is done to the glory of God the Father. Friends, we are to glorify God, not ourselves. And humility, as we see here in our own lives, humility in our own lives involves following the pattern of Jesus by living for the glory of God. Not for the glory of ourselves, not for the praise of our own name, but for the praise of the Lord God Himself. So friends, how do we live in light of these great truths that we see Paul laying out here in Philippians 2? How do we live in light of these great truths? First, worship Jesus. Submit to Him as, as your Lord. Confess Him as your Savior. I, I pray that you would study Christ, that you would dive into the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and may that study of, of who Jesus is and, and what He has done, may that lead you to saving faith so that your sins would be atoned for and that you would begin to exalt Jesus. That the knowledge of Christ would grip your heart so that you truly know Him and that you truly love Him and you live your life humbly serving Him. Believer, May you dive into the study of the Lord Jesus Christ and may you study Him all the more and may you hold fast to this confession that we have here in Philippians 2. Second, how else do we live? We have this mind among ourselves that we live humbly. So first of all, we worship Jesus. Second of all, in light of this great truth, we live humbly. Follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ in humbling Himself. Third, how else do we live in light of these great truths? Will you share this good news? You, you warn others of this coming of their coming destruction. Tell them the, the good news of Jesus Christ who humbled Himself even unto death on the cross. The good news of Jesus Christ, Christ crucified for sinners, Christ resurrected for sinners, who is now ruling and reigning over all. Friends, share that good news with those around you. So friend, do you just like Jesus? Or do you worship Him? Do you bow your knee to Him in worshipful submission to Him as your Lord and Savior? Friends, if you only like Jesus, then He's not your Lord Savior. Let's pray. Holy Father, we come before you now. Lord, we are grateful for these wonderful truths laying out for us who Jesus is. That he is God who became man. For what he has done. Dying on the cross for our sins. And how now you have highly exalted him so that we would praise him 
and through praising Him, we would glorify You. Oh, what good news this is. So, Father, may we worship Jesus. May we live humble lives in light of what Christ has done for us, and may we spread this good news here in Oakhurst, surrounding areas, to the ends of the earth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Would you please stand and join us in singing this song in closing? All right, so we're going to sing Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. Pull out your copies.
Next week, just keep in mind, we'll meet here again outside at, at 9 a.m. One other announcement. I have a, I have a class this week. Uh, it's online, so thankfully I don't have to travel back to Kansas City. Uh, but uh, So I'll be, I'll be uh, taking my class from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. every day this week. So keep me in your prayers because I am not looking forward to sitting at the computer for that long. But um, I'll still have my phone on me, so if you need to get in touch with me, you know, Feel free to give me a call and everything, but please keep me in your prayers. I, I would appreciate it. But let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, Lord God, we come before you now, and we thank you for that wondrous mystery of Christ coming and living a perfect life for us and, and, and dying in our place, suffering for our sins so that we could have Lord, we thank you that he has been raised up, that you raised him high. So as we go from here, may we live in the power of Christ's resurrection and spread the good news of Christ crucified and Christ resurrected for sinners. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.